Good for Right. Well, we are so glad that you guys have come today. And I hope, like Stuart said, that you're not coming in here hoping to um, hear how we perfectly do family worship. Because you can see the ages of our children at 9642. You can imagine what family worship might look like at our house. It is very messy, and it's not all beautiful and perfectly figured out. So, you know, we want to kind of just have a chance to have conversation together, maybe give you some ideas from what our family looks like and what we've learned along the way and what works good for some kids and what works better for others. But I want to start off just giving you a little bit of introduction about who we are. Um, We, let's see, we've been married for 15 years and next month, so we're celebrating a bigger anniversary, I guess. Um... Let's see, we came to North Wake January of 2002. I was about to pop with Jordan, our first child, and um, we had come here for seminary, and we were in the international church planning degree, so we're preparing to go overseas, and so we're here three years, had Jordan, and um, then we went overseas to the Middle East. We were in Oman for three years. It was a wonderful and difficult experience all at once. Chloe was born while we were there, and then kind of felt God leading Greg into PhD program to come back here. So we have been back here. Caroline was born, and we thought our family was complete. And then we had a little surprise number four to make. So, so we know here's our little. This is our little bumper sticker on the back of our car. We don't really. We don't really have the bumper sticker. <laughs> you know. So so we've got Jordan, who's nine, Chloe, who's six, Caroline, who's four, and Hadley, who's two. So we have a lot of little girls, a lot of hormones in our house. But it's great. We love, I mean, most days we love all of the busy family life that's going on. And some days. Some days. Greg is a little outnumbered, and we have promised him that when he completes his dissertation, he can get a boy dog. So. Man. Yes. Gotta get it done quickly. So. Um, we just want to take a little bit of time, and there will be some opportunities for you guys to feedback with us. If you're, there is an outline in the back of your folder. If you follow that, it's kind of like our family worship time. Um, that's we've changed some things in the outline. It's in process, and so we're changing things just as we change and grow as a family as well. But uh, we are glad to be here. Um, a couple things, really, uh, just by way of getting us into our time of really family worship. Uh, we're going to be talking some about what it what what it is, what it isn't, um, some very practical things as well. And um, first thing, though, I think, and Stuart paved the way well that that really, as we think about our families, uh, whether we have no children yet, whether we have one child, multiple children, whether they're older or younger, really, the family unit is is the best, and it's really the earliest model of training and equipping our children. I mean, it's just a natural way for us to be with our kids, training and equipping them. Family worship is all at the same time. It's a beautiful picture of diversity within our own families. We all, husband and wife, come from different backgrounds. Kids have different personalities. Also within the body of Christ, uh, families are different. And so it's a beautiful picture of diversity. Uh, It's one of trial and error, a lot of trial and error. We'll talk about that. And And it's a beautiful picture of grace. And so we can learn from one another, I think, in our own families, in our own family worship, and then from one another. Um, Paige and I are very much, as she said, we're very much still growing in this area uh, of what it means to worship together as a family, not just on Sundays, although we'll talk some about that, but throughout the week. Um, But it is a key thing. We just want to kind of walk with you guys tonight. Let me read you this. This is a a study that um, a group did. 
kind of uh, surveying um, believers, uh, Christian families, about their practices uh, of what they did for family worship. And here's some of the numbers they came up with. 85% of parents believe they are primarily responsible for the moral and spiritual development of their children. So 85%, uh, they believe, hey, we're, we're the primary givers of uh, kind of moral responsibility and spiritual development. But among, out of this number, among the church families, fewer than 10% will read the Bible or pray outside of meals or participate in an act of service as a family in a typical week. So although 85% of people would say, this is our job, fewer than 10% actually do anything about it during a typical week. And then finally, they said one out of 20 will have some sort of worship experience as a family outside of a church setting in a typical month. And so um, if you're like us, this is not something when we first got married, uh, nobody talked to us about this. Uh, When we first had children, nobody said, hey, one of the things you need to be thinking about is how do you worship together as a family? That's we just never heard about that. And so for us, it's been um, one through reading scriptures and being around other mature families um, of learning a lot, but then trying to figure out what does this look like uh, in our own family. So just to kind of get us started, uh, let's think about for a few minutes, uh, we're talking about family worship. Before we get there, what is worship? Uh, Stuart kind of painted a brief picture for us a few minutes ago, but when the word worship comes up, what comes to mind? Uh, what are words that come to mind for you, or how would you begin to describe what worship is? To shout it out. Adoration. What was that? Adoration? Okay. Going to church. Okay. Church? What else? Singing. Singing? Okay. Anything else? Adoration, church, and singing. What was that? Proclaiming. Proclaiming. Okay. Prayer. 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 Okay. All right, now let me add a new wrinkle to this. When I add family to worship, this idea of family worship, does that bring anything else to your mind? What will come to mind with family worship? Teaching. Dancing. Teaching, dancing. dancing. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Discipleship. What was that? Discipleship. Teaching. Dancing. Working. Discipleship. Did you say working? Okay. Short attention spans, yelling by the parents often. No, um, just a couple of things foundationally with with worship, and, and we're kind of hitting all around this. And, and Stewart kind of pointed us that way. I don't want to kind of re re go all those roads too much, but but really, if you think about just the word of worship, and I think it applies to family worship as well. Worship is a verb. It's actually an activity. It's something very active that we, as believers, we all participate in. It doesn't matter if I'm a brand new believer, if I've walked with Jesus uh, as far back as I can remember. Um, It's an active thing, and I think that also applies to family worship, that we involve our children in this. 
um, and they do it with us. It, it's a verb. Because um, really what worship is, it's uh, kind of the uh, ascribing or showing God's worth by how we use our time, by our attitudes, and even our actions. And it's for everybody. Anybody can do it. We're called to do it. Anybody can do it. And again, as Stuart so helpfully pointed out, that, that really worship, it, the central focus, the, the goal uh, of all worship is God. God is primary to that. Once He is not primary to this thing, it, it ceases to be worship, and it's just really an activity that we do. So God is primary. Um, and really, so if it's an active a active pursuit of, of God that we're all supposed to be a part of, I would say if you, mom or dad, if you are not an active worshiper throughout your day, if that's not a constant practice of you, so if you're not an active worshiper throughout your day, Family worship then will be awkward. This is not something that you're doing. It'll be awkward. It'll be difficult, more so than usual. And in fact, in, in many cases, it, it'll probably be non-existent. And so, if we are not, as a mom and a dad, both individually and together, if we are not actively pursuing God, actively worshiping, it probably won't happen in our own families. And we saw in the verses that Stuart led, uh, read through and, and kind of helped us work through. Um, I, I love how that starts in, in Deuteronomy uh, 6, verse 4. You know, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, He is one. And it goes on to talk about how we should love God with, with really all of our being. And so, at this point, I think you see right here, as Stuart said, that, that the foundation or the platform for worship but also family worship and the power of that is simply found in God. It's a, it's a right belief that, hey, here, here is God. Here, O Israel. And I like that, that, that here, that we need to be in a position to always be reminded of the truth. We need to put our children in a position so that they can hear these fundamental truths of God even before they're believers. Here, they need to have right belief, rightly ordered worship. So it's a, it's not only believing that in who God is, but also you know loving God completely. There's action in that. So belief and action that should characterize our worship. It's a combination of both, but also it should characterize our family worship. There are opportunities where we're teaching right belief, but then we're doing things actively to follow up on that belief. And we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. And so, really, God is the foundation. He is the purpose. He's the power and the goal of all worship, including family worship. And so, if, if family worship is something that you struggle with, the first question isn't to say, what book do I need? Or, or what resource do I need? If we struggle with family worship, really the first question that you need to ask yourself is, am I actually loving God well? Because if I'm not loving God well, it's hard for me to lead others in that act of loving God well. Um, and so family worship can do a lot of pressing and pulling on you um, and convicting as well, just as kids can do in general, family worship specifically. Um, and I think this summarizes it well. Romans 11 uh, reminds us uh, about worship, and even family worship says, For from him and through him and to him, being God, are all things. To him be the glory forever. Um, and that's really kind of the the foundation and the goal of worship, even in the family. So that's a little bit of some big picture of what worship is, but also I think it applies a lot to family worship um, as well. So. so we're going to talk a little bit about what worship isn't. Now, if you notice this picture here, isn't this beautiful and sweet? 
Just pretend there's little angelic halos. Is this what your family worship looks like? The father and mother, and they're all gently cradling the Bible, and the children are all happy. I mean, and I think a lot of times that's what we think worship should look like. And so when it doesn't happen that way, it can be really frustrating. In fact, you can just get, I mean, you can like want to give up on it when it doesn't turn out to be so nice and sweet. Um, and, you know, so just thought I would mention a few things that family worship isn't. And, and again, this depends on your family so much. If you have older children, you may look more like this. Your children may be able to sit still. Now, at the age of our kids, this is rarely what happens. But, you know, having family worship is not this Holy Spirit bullet. It's not a checkoff list. All right, had our family devotion time today, so we're all right with God now. We can't earn favor with God by having family devotion time. It's not meant to be mini church. You don't need to be, like, you know, looking up hymns and having it pass the offering plate and <laughs> unless <laughs> you're saying <laughs> not a bad idea kids make more than I do so. <laughs> you know, and on the other hand a new believer who has just come to Christ a, a, can lead their family in family worship it doesn't have to be someone who is seminary trained or someone who is a pastor or an elder or who has read every book on parenting. You don't have to wait for those. Or, or wait until my life gets straightened out and then we'll have family worship. Well, good luck with that. Um, it shouldn't be a burden or something that sucks life out of your family. It should be something your, your kids look forward to. And so you got to think about that. How can we set it up in a way that it's something our kids expect and look forward to? And, you know, like I said, it doesn't gain us favor with God if we do it well or if we don't. And a wrong strategy for family worship is that family... That it's a punishment. You know, they do something wrong. All right, we're going to gather around the Bible now. We're going to learn something about this. And again, it's not that you don't use those things as teaching moments, but yeah. family worship, as Paige said, should be something that hopefully we look forward to, mm-hmm. uh, that our kids don't come dragging and screaming and tears everywhere, although that still happens at times. But yeah. Anything else in that? So there's a lot of things that it's not, um, and I hope, you know, this picture right here, this beautiful picture, that may describe your family, and if so, that's wonderful. We need to learn from you. It's not (laughs) our family, and a lot of what we're talking about this evening um, is also from not only our experience, but our stage of life. Some of you are going to have older children, um, or maybe you'll have different personalities in your kids. They may be much more quiet and sit still and just, you know, hang on your every word. Um, ours don't happen to do that, unfortunately, no matter how much we spank them. Um, they don't do that. But, uh, and so a little bit of what worship is, what it's not. Um, and again, just coming back to, well, why would we even talk about this? You know, is this just one of those newest crazes, that a new fad? Uh, you know, hey, we need to worship in the family. Well, I think, one, we've seen biblically, it's not a new thing. It, it's, it's, a, it's a very real um, charge to moms and dads that we have a responsibility to our kids. but And ultimately, the goal is not just for kids to behave on a Sunday morning. And it's not simply so our kids can repeat a few verses when we get together at night, although those are good things. But ultimately, we're looking at this in a big picture. This is a lifelong pursuit we're setting them up for. And I think Paige and I, even over the last year, year and a half, have really uh, begun to understand this more. Um, that, you know, it's not just about the temporary or this next moment. It's really about a lifetime that we're trying to set our children up for a lifetime of worship. Because ultimately, we are all created to worship God. And, and even if you look in the scriptures, you know, you look at the end 
And there's this beautiful picture around the throne of people worshiping. We're going to be there. And by God's grace, our kids will be there as they come into a relationship with Jesus. And so we want to equip them with the tools to do something they're going to be doing for eternity, which is worshiping God. And so what we, what really what family worship is, it's inviting your children into a journey of worship with you. Um, none of us are perfect. Um, it'll have high points and low points. But again, it's a journey. And, and, our, and we're going to hit this point probably at least another time or two that, that family worship is going to grow and mature. As you grow and mature in your faith and your walk with the Lord, as your kids grow and mature, so should family worship. It's going to look different a year from now than it does today. And so we need to be okay with that. And in fact, it's not just about family worship. As kids grow older, it's really also paving the way for this ongoing discipleship both by mom and dad, but then setting them up hopefully to connect with other believers as well. And so the goal, again, is a lifelong worshiper, not just um, a good behavior um, on Sunday morning. I wanted to share, I heard a story in, uh, a couple weeks ago from a friend when I was doing, I was greeting with her, and she said, she's nannying for a family. This just struck me, I shared it with Greg, so I think we need to share that. Um, she is it keeps two kids that are maybe like seven and nine and she said one of the parents um, one of the things they asked her to do was to have a a devotion time with the kids each morning and she said you know she was excited about that because it's she didn't really know much about where the family was spiritually but she said as she started to do it she realized the kids were not interested at all just not interested at all she started asking them and well they don't go to church first of all and she asked, well, do your parents ever pull out their Bible to read it? And they said no. So, you know, again, it's not a magic bullet. Like this, you know, young woman who is, you know, walking with God and is, is a believer can't come into this family and have quiet times with them or even teach them how to have quiet times if, first of all, they're not worshiping in a church and learning what that means. Their parents aren't doing it at home. There's no reinforcement at home with the family and so it was just it rung hollow for them as you can imagine yeah and so even in that I mean you see right here with this this uh, this situation with these uh, parents of the Bassett and Annie to come in and kind of fill the spiritual void that they've kind of missed a little bit of the reason and the goal for family worship that again it's about uh, building up and equipping lifelong worshipers and oftentimes especially when children are young where they start in terms of worshiping God is what they see in mom and dad, mm-hmm. the good and the bad. Um, and so they've missed that because ultimately, in, and I think we see this in, in the passage in Deuteronomy, but I want to make sure we're clear on this, that it is the parent's responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's the responsibility of mom and dad to initiate, to persevere in these things. That, And, and not just moms and dads, really dads, you shoulder a, a heavy, heavy part of that responsibility. That you need to be the one stepping out and saying, hey, we need to forge ahead. We need to carve out time for this family worship. Again, it doesn't put moms to the sidelines. It's both mom and dad. But dads should really put their foot forward. Um, Because it is dads, but moms are not immune from shaping family worship. And we'll talk about this page. brings a lot of flavor to our family worship. Things that I could never do. Um, And she does it well. Connects with our kids well. Or perhaps, depending on your circumstances... You may not be in a situation where both mom and dad are believers. 
or maybe a single mom or a single dad, and, and that's a very different thing. And so there may be seasons where maybe mom does need to step up a little bit more. Um, but but I want to be clear about that. That family worship really is it's on the it's a responsibility of the parents um, and dads, um, myself included. Um, you know, even when we're tired stepping in the house, that we need to remember that our jobs many times are just beginning at that point, especially among our kids. So. So we're going to kind of move now from sort of talking about the foundation of worship, what it is, to look in a little bit at kind of what some of the things that we try to highlight as we're having family worship times. And I'm sure you you understand this, but just let me say, don't try to model things after what we do because we're still figuring all of that out. And what works for our family may not work for your family. So this is just to give you some ideas, even just some things to think about as you're and many of you are already doing family worship really well, but some of you that don't have kids yet or have little ones that you know aren't old enough yet to really understand, you know, as you're starting to think through it, maybe there's some, some things to think through. And I want to start off by reading this um, a little passage from a book that's called Parenting in the Pew. It's a book that's over there. It's a helpful one. Yeah, it's, it's over there, too. It's a helpful one to think about, especially how to help your kids worship well in corporate setting. So listen to this. It says, Through worshiping together, my children and I have become friends before the throne of grace. As fellow sinners, we worship our God who forgives. In worship, we have learned to love God and accept his mercy. In worship, we've learned to love each other and accept our failures. God must be real in our experience of faith. He must be known and encountered. We cannot be satisfied with worship that simply fulfills social and religious obligations. God must be heard. We need to teach our children what it means to touch the hem of his garment and be healed. Our children need to clamor into the loving lap of the Savior. He yearns for the companionship of children and longs to bless them. And I was just thinking of the verse in Mark 10, 14, where Jesus says, Let the little children come to me and don't hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So, you know, when we tend to get frustrated with our kids when they don't respond the way that we want them to, on the one hand, there's those experiences, but then there are these other beautiful experiences, like watching a daughter dance before the Lord, or a son. Who, <laughs> and, and I remember, I remember when Jordan was four one time, when it was like she had just sort of begun to grasp who God was, that he was holy and set apart and different for her. Do you remember where she would, she went home, said, I'm, she was twirling around her dress and said, I'm dancing for God. <laughs> and you see those little glimpses where your children, they understand probably in a way that I don't even understand because they're, they're open and they're, they're open to wonder and, you know, to see God in a way that maybe we can't. You can learn things from your children during worship. And so we do want to talk a little bit. Uh, we talk some of the big picture stuff and some of the beautiful passages and all this. But we want to take, a, as we go into some of the nuts and bolts of some practicalities, what does it look like? We'll paint a little picture of Matthias family worship, uh, trial and error. Um, and to help out with that, uh, Stuart, can you just uh, open your Bible? Uh, do you have your Bible with you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just, uh, just start reading wherever you want. It could be Deuteronomy 6, and then not really matter. Just start reading the scripture for us. Deuteronomy 6, or 4 through 9. Just read through that. Start reading through that. We're going to paint just a little picture of what it looks like oftentimes. Oftentimes it's in the evening, not always, but say it's before bedtime, and girls have their pajamas on, and we're gathered around, and, and we call them to our sides, and, oh, children, listen to your father and mother. We explain the word, use a steward, and 
Stuart's going to play me. Um, and <laughs> more, more help <laughs> this is, this is fun. These are the commands, decrees. Daddy, I've got, I've got a verse I want to read. Can I read John first? Yeah, 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 this is great. I Hey, get in here. <laughs> Girls, you better be quiet so we can pray, okay? So that's, that's right. Amen, amen, amen. So uh, um, it's not always like that, but actually more times than not, um, that's, that's kind of what our family worship uh, can look like. Um, you know, I'm trying to... You know, calm page down. She's screaming, using words I never heard. Oh, wow. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. No. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of the things we do uh, in family worship, but we just want to lay out front. Uh, again, everybody's different, and people will do different things in their family worship. Uh, our family is not so much a fill in the blank kind of family. We're not, we don't live lives by calendars as much as we should, and so our family worship reflects that a little bit. What that means is uh, we don't uh, necessarily have like a, we don't go through like a book of the Bible. Um, one, our kids are young, but uh, we don't always have, you know, um, this very structured event. Uh, we do a lot more um, kind of as you go, although we do have some elements that we incorporate most of the time when we gather together. And we'll, we'll talk some about some of the things we do. And hopefully get some feedback from you guys as well. But but probably one of the first things, um, really, family worship should be authentic, and it should have a sense of expectancy with it. And and we talked a little bit about this. Well, what does it mean by authentic and expectant? Well, especially as your kids are young, that really this is the opportune time to begin even if it's imperfect, gathering together for some sort of family worship. Because as kids are young, it's the easiest time for them to really trust you. They hang, they do hang on your words, mom and dad. They trust a lot of what you tell them. Um, and you can get away with a lot of good things too. But they trust you. Um, but also, uh, they really, they, your belief in God and how you talk about that, they are in awe of that. And they want to learn from you. And so especially as they're young, that's a great time to gather them around and begin to just be really authentic about who you are and your belief in God and, and have them expect God to do some big things in their lives. Great. So what do you think when you say young, what's that age and you where they're really in that spot? Um, I think, well, even now, honestly, with um, even Hadley, uh, our two-year-old, now she doesn't do much with that. But she knows certain things, you know, uh, and I'm trying to think of an example right now. Uh, well, we have a great example. Okay, the other night we were, she had my Bible. I said, she said, Bible? I said, yeah, that's Bible. And Paige was like, oh, do you know, uh, what did you say? I said, where, do you know, what did I say? How, where did Jesus die? She said, right heel. And pointing in the Bible. Yeah. Right heel. So, <laughs> but she knows some small things. But really, probably as they get probably three and four years old, um, really, they begin to respond to some things. Three and four and five. Well, Caroline's doing quite a bit. I mean, she really, if we, I mean, she understands, you know, if we say, hey, why did Jesus have to die? I mean, she can tell us those things. Now, again, she doesn't quite understand that. Um, all of our kids... Uh, even, you know, Hadley, when we say, hey, we're going to pray, she'll do this and start mumbling and then look up and laugh. And, you know, she knows she's doing something. Um, 
And, uh, you know, one of the things we do, and we'll talk more about this, uh, you know, like we've taught our kids the Lord's Prayer, so they all will say that, four-year-old and everybody, you know, we'll just start saying that together. And so they pick things up. Actually, our kids oftentimes pick up things a lot faster than I would even give my own kids credit for um, with that. But, but part of the authentic and expecting is letting them know that God is real and the scriptures are real and the stories in there are very real. Not just that they're stories. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I sat down with the girls and I said, all right, I'm going to tell you this story. It's a story that really happened. Real people. In it. And I'm not going to tell you the names, but I'm going to tell you the story. And then when I'm done, you've got to tell me who the story's about. And they're like, okay. So I began to tell them the story. Um, and it was the story of David and Goliath. But I kind of worked them through the story. And when I got done, I said, who's it about? And they said, David and Goliath. And, and Jordan just kind of looked at me kind of with a quizzical look. And I said, well, what is it, Jordan? She said, no, never mind. I said, no, really? Why? She said, Dad, I... I was excited because I thought you were going to tell us something really that happened, a real story. And I was like, all right, well, she said, no, I, I mean, you know what I mean. I said, I understand they're dead now. She's like, yeah. So, um, <laughs> but again, I, you know, I'm very clear, like even the other morning around the breakfast table, I said, hey, I want to tell you the story, this, this real story. We all have our own individual lives, but there's a story about everybody that's true. And, in, and we find that story in the Bible, and we just kind of work through from Genesis to Revelation about five minutes. And I said, this is a real story everyone wants to be a part of. And so just emphasizing this real factor with them. Go ahead. Well, yeah, we're still... So, all right, so we're going to talk a little bit about intentional and consistent. And you know, as parents, that having family worship time, it doesn't just happen the best ones, you, you don't just open up your Bible and point to a verse and read it. I mean, you know, God can use the. We have quiet times like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And at least that was the way I started off when I was younger. But but good family worship times, I think, take a little bit of planning and thought. And especially thinking about the ages of your children and, um, you know, gathering some resources, reading through the scriptures ahead of time. And even thinking about a pattern that might work well for your family. And, I mean, what we do is very simple. I mean, pretty much at bedtime every night, we, we're we reading through one book that's called Grandpa's Box that kind of tells the story of the gospel, sort of the grand narrative of the scriptures. But it's within a story that, you know, kind of draws kids in a little bit. So right now we're kind of reading through that. And then we always have prayer time where we generally, you know, we, as much as we can draw the kids into it. We'll all say something that we've been thankful for that day. Or we'll talk about, you know, well, here are the things that are that we want to pray for that are happening in the lives of friends and family or small group. And, you know, we allow the kids to bring out what they want to pray for. Sometimes you get some interesting responses, <laughs> I'm sure you all know. Yes. And then we always end with, you know, several praise songs. And that's kind of, and then it's lights out and we give hugs and kisses. So for us right now, bedtime is kind of more our family worship time. We do, like Greg said, when we try to just look for opportunities throughout the day so that it's not always just this, we have to be sitting in a certain place. But but bedtime for us is really effective, as is sometimes after dinner at night when everybody's still kind of gathered at the table. And then consistency. You know, we want it to be something that the kids know to expect, that we're not just going to go run upstairs and give a hug and throw them in bed. <clears throat> That's a special time for us. That's a special time when we focus in on God. And so they know that toys get put away. And, and well, not always. 
sometimes that's where the struggles come in. But, you know, maybe you need to set up some parameters ahead of time of what family worship is going to look like. The toys are off the table, and you know, everybody's kind of sitting and paying attention. And one of the things that we've talked about is that paying attention is like, that's like a gift to God. When you pay attention and focus, that tells him that he's important. And children can understand simple things like that. Yeah, and again, it's, you know, just being uh, very intentional. And, and again, that's not just like, for us, it's not just in those moments where in the evening. I mean, one of the things that I've done, and I don't even know if you really know this, but as I, you know, I drive our daughters to school in the mornings, and especially uh, our oldest two daughters. Um, on the way to school, usually the first couple of weeks, especially the school year, but then I do it throughout, I, I always ask them two questions. You know, hey, what, what, whose family are you a part of? The, the Matthias family. Well, who, who do mommy and daddy, who do we, whose family is the Matthias family part of? Well, it's God's family. Well, what does that mean for you today as you go spend time among your friends and your teachers? You're representing your family and you're representing God. And so, and we talk about that and I really do that the first couple weeks of every new semester and I do it throughout just to remind them again, being intentional that again, we, we worship God all day long. We're always representing him. Um, and, and really for us, it's just a core value of the Matthias family of flexibility, especially with young children and some different personalities. Some are dif- difficult, some are easy. <laughs> and you know, too, I think even with a two-year-old, you can begin to teach them some things. They may not exactly understand what they're doing, but every night before I put Hadley in her crib, I kind of take her into the dark room before Jordan and Hadley are in the room together. So it's kind of weird the nine and the two are in the room together, but it works for us right now. But before Jordan comes in, I hold Hadley, and I'll say, it's time to pray, Mama. Mama and Hadley are going to pray. And I'll say, let's, let's think of who we want to ask God to bless. So Hadley, who's, who do you want to ask, ask God to bless? I'll say, God bless, and then we and then she'll say some names. And she wants to go through the whole family. And lately she's been blessed. I mean, as she thinks it's funny now, but she wants to bless Tinkerbell every night. God bless Tinkerbell and, Cin- and Cinderella. So that's cute and all. But, you know, she's getting the idea that we're praying for God's blessing on family members. And... You know, she's learning what the Bible is, that we open the Bible and we read stories about God. And she, you know, when we say pray, she she knows we're closing our eyes and we're focusing on someone. So she's learning the mechanics of it. She doesn't understand the heart behind it all, but she will. She will come to understand it. Now, I was just going to point out a couple of things. I think, you know, as you have family worship time, it's good to have, choose a, a, a Bible to read out of that will be understandable for your kids. And this... For, for those of you who have kids that have been to runner's camp, that, that is the same version as this. It's the New International Reader's Version. When your kids are little, this is a good one. It's just simplified, and it's easy for them. In fact, my cousin, who is 40 at the beach, picked up Jordan's or Chloe's Bible and was flipping through, and he's like, i got to get one of these. I can understand this. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's not bad for adults either. <laughs> That's right. But one of the other things I was going to show you that we do sometimes, I mean, you know, we're a family that's very interested in, in praying for the world and praying for people to come to Christ. And so some of you may have an Operation World. This says every country in the world in prayer requests for every country. It can be a little overwhelming. This is a kid's version that has you know a little story about people 
and some things to thank God for and things to ask God for. And our kids really enjoy doing this because it tells you the story of a child in that country and kind of what God is doing. Um, so you see, I mean, there's a there's a lot. We, we you know, sometimes kind of focus on this for a little while, and then we'll try some other things. We have a few more things we want to give you guys some time to ask questions if you have it. But, uh, you know, aside from this... Also, in family worship time, it's a time for them to respond. It's a transformative time. We want our kids to come expecting to respond in some way uh, to what we're talking about. Um, you know, for instance, if if we're talking about trusting God, we're going to ask our kids. You know, what you know, Hadley or well, not Hadley, yes. sorry, Caroline and Jordan and Chloe. How are you going to trust God tomorrow? And it looks very different for a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. But we get them to respond, and then we talk about how we're going to trust God. And then we'll ask about it the next day. It's accountability for us just as much as it is our children. Mm -hmm. And children will not forget what you have said you're going to do. Mommy, did you pray for that lady? Did you call that lady mommy? Because we we want our kids to know from a very young age that, again, this isn't just a book. This is real, and this is powerful, and it transforms. And so we want to build that in even into our moments with them. one key thing for family worship, and this may seem almost dumb to say, but it's true. I mean, you have to know your kids. I mean, that sounds weird, but you you have to know them, and, and sometimes ages play a lot of factor into that, and especially now we're really hitting that with especially Jordan. Um, she, she's at a very different stage in, in how she responds to us and uh, than, you know, our four-year-old or our two-year-old, and so... Uh, again, um, there's age appropriateness for certain things and different learning styles. But a couple thoughts on that. Uh, one would be keep it short. More is less, or less is more. Yes. Less is more. More is less. That's why I teach at a seminary. That's right. It is true. Um, you know, you want to keep it simple. Again, you don't have to do anything exhaustive. It could be, hey, we're going to read, we're going to pray, and we're going to sing. Shampoo is really instructive here. You know, lather, rinse, repeat. I mean, same thing. You want to keep it basic. Keep whatever basic it is and repeat that over and over again. Um, family worship can be frustrating. We'd be the first to tell you that. It's not all a bowl of cherries or a chair of bullies or however you want to say that. But but an important thing that I've really come to grapple with in my own life, because um, I tend to see big picture things. And so how my daughter responds today, I picture her as a teenager down the road, and I think, uh. um, But with family worship, even if your children are young or if maybe I have a stronger personality, start with where your kids are, not where you want them to be 10 years from now. Because oftentimes I'm speaking to my daughter as I want her to be, but she's not there yet. I need to be okay and say, you know what, let's do some things to get you to that point. And so start where your kids are. And it could be that your younger children are more spiritually responsive than your older children, which is kind of the case with Jordan mm-hmm. right now. That you know we kind of want her to be here, mm-hmm. but it's the six-year-old that's really asking more questions and is more interested. And so we always have to be praying and, and thinking, "Well, God, is do we need to do something different?" And in fact, I think one of the things that that I'm planning is to have, allow Jordan to stay up later one night a week to kind of do some Bible study with her because she really she kind of responds to those like fill in the blank things and and then coming up with some application at the end. Not I mean she would like to just stop with the fill in the blank because that's fun, but then going beyond that to ask, well, what does this mean for your life tomorrow when you go to school with your friends? Yeah, and I think that's an important thing that we're learning that you know family worship is both corporate together, but it's also individual with each of your kids. 
and looking for those things. I mean, be creative, have fun with it. Family worship should be fun. Um, and that means just doing different things. You know, I remember Jordan still talks about this. One night when it was cold out, I said, hey, let's go lay out in the backyard on a blanket. And we laid out under the stars. And I talked to her about Daniel 12, 3. You know that those who turn many to righteousness shine like the stars in heaven. Really, what does that mean? And, you know, who placed all these stars in heaven from Isaiah? And Jordan still talks about that. You know, just looking for opportunities that connect with your kids individually and together. And they especially remember those object lessons, those things where you go on trips and you just happen to do something really fun and connected to spiritual things. Those are the things they remember. And those take a little work sometimes. Sometimes it just happens. But a lot of times it takes some work from the parents to set that up. Yeah, and so I wanted to show you all. I know Christmas is still a long way out. Don't feel pressure here. <laughs> One of the Christmas kind of starting with like around Halloween and leading on to, yeah, to Easter is sort of a time of focusing in for our family. And this may sound really strange because we're, you know, we're in a, grew up in a Protestant church, but while we were overseas in Oman, we started realizing that the Muslims there celebrated a lot. They were a lot. They celebrated when there was a new house, when someone planted a tree, when <laughs> someone came back from the Hajj, when someone got a new car. There was always a family celebration. And so, as we thought about, you know, how do we help them understand the Christian faith and even see themselves? Could I become a Christian? We don't celebrate as much as we could, right? And, and Larry was talking about that today celebrating. And so we started looking at the liturgical church calendar. So like, you know, if you, maybe if you grew up Episcopal or Lutheran or Catholic or something or you might be more familiar with what I'm going to share. So so the, the liturgical church year begins with Advent which is the 25 days leading up to Christmas. So this is what we do. Has anyone, does anyone do a Jesse tree at their house? I love doing a Jesse tree. Now, we use our little advent calendar here, and my sister-in-law, who is very kind, made these little ornaments. So we have this advent Jesse tree book with devotions, and there's a little symbol that goes with each day, and a story that kind of carries you through the grand narrative of the scriptures. A lot of it is also prophecies of the Messiah. So the kids get to put, you know, so they open up their little door for that day, and we put the symbol on the tree, and then we read the, I don't always use this because sometimes it's a little over their heads, but, you know, we'll read the story. But we've done it, I think this will be maybe our seventh year to do it, and maybe not that six. So they hear this walking through the scriptures, you know, every year. Hopefully we're not, we're not just doing it at Christmas, but they're hearing, you know, this whole walk through the Old Testament. We also have this book that's called the Advent Storybook that has, it's kind of the idea of an Advent calendar. It has little things that you open and a little story of a bear journeying to Jerusalem. So we do that. And and then I have a Liturgy of the Hours book that has just scriptures and prayers that I kind of, Greg and I kind of do. But it's all kind of focused on that Advent time. And then you have Christmas. And then after that begins the 12 days of Christmas, Christmas, which lead up to Epiphany, which is when the wise men came to visit baby Jesus. So we have, we just we kind of do things a little different than most families. People look at us like, what are you talking about? We, um, on December 6th, we celebrate St. Nicholas Day so that Santa is put in the rightful place. He's not the focus on Christmas Day. We're not opposed to Santa. We have Santa ornaments on our tree. But St. Nicholas was a real person, and so we like to talk about him and his good deeds of, you know, wanting to worship God, and 
so the focus on Christmas Day is on Jesus. Um, then we go on to the 40 days before Easter is Lent, which I, I didn't know anything about Lent except people would get the smudge on the head and you know, give up coke or cussing or something like that. <laughs> but you know, it's really become, that, that time of Advent and that time of Lent has become, that's what they gave up. That's what my Catholic friends gave up cussing. <laughs> Um, that time of Advent, preparing for the birth of Christ, and really thinking about this idea of God becoming man and living among us, and and kind of going through the story of the Israelites, like waiting and longing for the Messiah. So it's not just Christmas Day and everything's done and we forget about it. And then Lent, the buildup of really thinking about your sin and why Christ had to die on the cross, has been you know it's it's been like a hard thing on the one hand to walk through all that time of Lent, but really good for our family. And and we're going through those stories over and over, year after year, in a way that the kids enjoy. And, you know, we try to make a celebration out of everything. Where are you going to move on? Well, and, and, you know, some of this, we're talking about the calendar stuff, but really just things that can invite your kids into it. You know, this morning in church we sang the doxology. Uh, we do that every night with our kids and so they knew that they were able to sing it but our kids have even made up their own version of the doxology not the words Just but a little the more. actual tune and uh, sometimes I love it sometimes I'm annoyed by it but you know they're having fun with that and they remember it you know and um, again like we said you know Lord's Prayer we're teaching them the Ten Commandments you know with their fingers you know how do you do different things We'll, we won't get into that now but anyway but they learn these things and so it's a neat thing but we've talked a lot about Kind of our family worship, the family worship. Hopefully, you're getting an idea that it's not simply uh, a five or ten or fifteen minute thing, um, just gathered around together. Although it can be that, it's really a lot of as you go and being intentional. But it's also um, on Sunday mornings. We want to hit that real briefly, and then we'll kind of end out our time. Yes, I want to. Um, I thought this was really interesting. I pulled up the. Has anyone ever looked up worship in the dictionary? Here are the words that come before worship. Worn, worn out, worrisome, worry, worry, wor- worse, worse, and worser worship. Sometimes getting in the car on Sunday morning can feel like that. There's lots of bickering, and Hadley doesn't want anyone except mommy to buckle her, and Caroline's holding the book that Chloe wanted. But, but as you all know, I mean, really. You spend your week preparing for worship. If you're not worshiping well during the week, then you're going to show up, and you you spend the whole time just trying to like figure out, wait, calm down, stop thinking about all that stuff. So I, I, for us as a family, preparing the night before is very helpful. So I mean, these are very practical things. But getting all the clothes out, making sure they have their Bibles ready, we're going to bed on time. We're not doing gymnastics at 9 o'clock on Saturday night. You know, it doesn't help get everybody settled down. And, you know, helping, I mean, we're just, one of the things I like to do is just always ask our kids, why do we go to worship? It's interesting to hear what they say. (laughs) But, you know, as we have talked about it over and over, it begins to help form their responses. We go to worship God. What does it mean to worship God? We praise him. We sing. We talk to him in prayer. So they're learning. They're learning. Because growing up, I think I thought worship meant you're in the sanctuary, you're singing. Worship is singing. Mm -hmm. And so 
to come to understand it in a broader way that it's an active thing that you know it's a gift to God for you to pay attention I mean I remember being in middle school and counting all the slats in the you know, behind the pastor because I was so bored to death. I knew how many lights were across the front of the pulpit. Crazy stuff like that. But you, we want to help train our kids to really pay attention. And that can be hard. And this is, we let Chloe pick out her own journal and pen. So you can see this is very fun and exciting. Who wouldn't want to go to church with a pink feather pen? And she's got her runner's <laughs> Bible. Her runner's camp Bible. And so, you know, as much as possible, we just try to while they're sitting there in the seats, we try to you know, help train their eyes to Pastor Larry. And we ask them to look, you know, listen for things that he might say or you know, even for Chloe to write out the scripture passage that he's sharing. Or you know, we're always explaining, explaining, explaining. I don't think other parents around you would mind hearing you explaining what's going on to your children and help drawing them into worship. And so a couple questions here that, that are we try to do, but good, you know, really, how are you helping your kids to be active worshipers? I mean, how, how do you engage in that? And then how do you help them pay attention? Uh, really, and we, some of that we're asking. I mean, we don't have a lot of time, but... Well, let's ask that. Yeah. What about, I mean, how do you guys feel about um, helping your kids be worshipers when they're not yet yeah. Christians? You know, like, mm-hmm. how do you... Um, wanting to teach them spiritual truths and showing them this is what walking with God looks like, mm-hmm. but when not use terminology like we walk with God because yeah. they're not walking with God yet. Or, you know, um, are they really worshiping God if mm-hmm. they don't actually that's, that's okay. that's know true. Him as God mm-hmm. yet? You know yeah, I think mean? that's a good question. And, um, I think we, we try to be sensitive to that, and sometimes, I don't know, we wonder if we are oversensitive at times. Like, for instance, you know, we've got. Um, uh, you know, our oldest daughter, Jordan, uh, probably about a year and a half ago, she, uh, you could tell God was doing something, and, you know, we explained the gospel, and she kind of said a prayer. Well, she was still really young. And so, and we haven't seen much since then. In fact, we've seen her go the other way a little bit. And so for her, how we've talked about it is, you know, you took uh, maybe a step in the right, you know, a step of faith. There was something that went on there. Again, I don't want to crush it. In case God did something, but and so as we talk about these things of worship, um, we we kind of couch it in that you know that this is what it should look like to worship God, and, and really we see it as almost discipleship, even if they're not a believer, um, that they're still a part of what our family does. Now again, we make sure that uh, we tell them this doesn't make you a follower of God, you know this doesn't make you have a right relationship with God, but these are some things you sh- we should begin to see in you that you want to do, um, and I don't know if that totally gets at your. Questions. That's a hard thing to right. do with kids. Um, uh, but I don't know if you have any other questions. I mean, you can just saying, "This is what a follower of Jesus does." Not you don't have to couch it in. This is what you must do. But mm-hmm. when you become a follower of Jesus, you're going to want to worship. You're going to want to praise God in song. But yeah, it is. Is it? It's a good. I kind of need to think on that. Yeah. It's a good question. So, so what about you guys? What, how are, how are you, how do you help lead your kids into active participation in worship? I know with with me recently, with having Philip, he's now seven, and so he now can read and understand what the words are saying really quickly. Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, like with Lauren, who really can't read at all, but even someone who's just learning to read when it's up on the screen or whatever, you know, I've I've you know, challenged him to, okay, if you can read it, 
you know, you can go ahead and sing along with it. Mm -hmm. And that's actually, you know, I've, I've called him a couple of times. Now he is, while we're sitting there for the singing, he's singing now. Yeah. You know, like what was said, whether Philip actually believed or not, I still, I still am on the page that as me being a parent to bring my children on, I need to instruct them to do what he's been done for right now to teach them. And so that's one thing that I've done. It said, if you can read it, you should be able to sing it. No problem with that. What else? How do y'all help your kids to pay attention and to worship? You mean specifically within sure, church yeah. or just with throughout? You can be the one. Really answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I just try to have lots of conversation. I can just ask lots of questions. Mm -hmm. You really don't have to be all that smart and talk about a lot of things. If you ask <laughs> yes. questions, you know, Amen to that. We can do that. They can really That's lead right. the conversation well as to what their things that they've been thinking about, other questions that they have, or you know, depending on the child. I have one that's, you know, say probably a majority of the time is it's happening at other times during the day being really intentional you know your family you know what are your family hobbies what do y'all like to do you know we talk about this you know maybe you like to watch movies so part of worshiping is teaching them how to watch a movie well maybe we like to go out on nature nature walks and so i'm teaching my kids you know hey who made this trip well, god did really well how do we know that I mean, you can just begin to get into some amazing conversation, and that's worship right there because, again, we're equipping lifelong worshipers. And so that's one of the things I think that we default to, whether it be good or bad, but really kind of family worship is, is kind of, uh, it, it, it goes with life. I mean, it, it's flexible. Sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's frustrating. A um, couple last couple points, and, um, you know, family worship, really, it should be normal. I think we see that in the scriptures. Unfortunately, it's probably not. It wasn't in our family for a number of years. Um, and probably a lot of people just in culture in general, it's, it's a weird thing. You get your family together and do what? Uh, but it should be normal. It is our responsibility as parents. Um, even, even before our children are, are believers or followers of Jesus, that we're helping train them and give them those skills. And really, worshiping together as a family is a witness within our own family to our kids, to one another. It's a witness to our extended family and it's a witness to even our neighbors because um, our kids learn a lot I want to end with just with this I thought he uh, couched it well this is actually Romans 12 1 and 2 actually from the message I don't do a lot out of that but uh, I thought he captured it well uh, where he, he's talking about just really what I think when I think of family worship as Paige and I have thought through it he, he, the message puts it this way so here's what I want you to do God helping you 
take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, your eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. And then if you look at the outline you have at the end, there's just some resources, some web-based resources we thought were helpful, at least for us. Um, some different things you can look at and pull down and use in your own worship and, and kind of put a few things over here as well. But um, why don't we end? Uh, I wish we had more time uh, to engage and also to pray, but we'll pray for you guys. Um, but please grab us. Uh, like I said, we probably a lot that we didn't engage on, um, and we're still learning a lot. But family worship is... Is a fun but sanctifying thing. Mm-hmm. And I, we like to hear your ideas. I'm sure many of you are doing really neat things. We'd like to hear how things are going in your family. Yeah. Let's pray real quick. Father God, thank you. Uh, thank you that you call us together um, uh, in your family, but then you call many of us together in uh, smaller families, Lord, mom and dad and kids. And, and Lord, I pray for each of these, uh, each of these parents, that you would give them wisdom, uh, that you give them courage. Um, and, uh, Lord, there will be a lot of grace as they gather their family together to worship you. And, Lord, I, I do pray that we would uh, do well um, to model that before our children so that we can um, have lifelong worshipers. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.